Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Good morning. Happy Easter. That's pretty good. Let's try it one more time. Happy Easter. It's awesome. Man, I am so proud of, of our people. Um, Lord, I've been crying all day. I woke up by myself crying this morning. Easter. It affects me that way. It really does. I'm so proud of our people because about somewhere between 75 and 100 of our people left this auditorium just a few minutes ago just to make sure that you have a seat if you're here, especially if you're a visitor. That, you don't hear that. Uh, you don't hear that a lot. Uh, people fight you over their seat in church. How many of y'all been to that church? <laughs> They'll cut you. In the name of Jesus. I literally, I remember a few years ago, I had a friend of mine, and, and he was a youth pastor, and um, had this special event, and they had the big area <laughs> sectioned off for the youth to sit down front on a Sunday, and a man came down and just got mad and left. Somebody had a seat. I thought, well, you don't want to know what I thought. It's bad. I can't say it in church on Sunday morning. I'm just saying it was awful. So uh, I'm just so proud of those guys next door uh, because that's the people. That's our people. Man, we got wonderful, wonderful people that love each other and they love you. I love Easter. I love Easter. I, I love talking about Easter. I love, uh, I love thinking about Easter. I love studying about Easter. And, and literally, for over 35 years, I can't get away from the cross. I can't get away from everything that happened that day. And I love, I love pondering over it. The, the same truth maybe that I've learned maybe years and years and years ago that, that I just want to sink into it and just take my time to ponder over it. And, and I'll tell you why. Because it reminds me that I'm not who I once was. It reminds me that I've been covered. It's a no secret if you've been around Springwell for any period of time at all. I'm probably <laughs> too honest about my junk, I guess. Um, but my greatest battle as a follower of Jesus hands down, no comparison to anything else has been, it's been my identity in Christ. That's what I've struggled with. Now, I wish I could tell you I struggled with that, and that was before the Jesus days. I wish I could tell you that that was, oh, it was back when I was out in the world. No. That's been as I've been a pastor. Now, for those of you that are brand new to church, go, what? What's the whole identity thing? In other words, I've struggled over the shame that's brought on by my my sin. 
that I still struggle with sin and the shame that's connected to it. Now, I didn't say the guilt of my sin. I said shame. Shame, here's the difference. See, shame focuses on who I am. Shame focuses on me. It, it focuses on my identity. Guilt, guilt focuses on what I did that was wrong. So what I'm trying to say is there's a difference between your who and your do. It's got a good beat. It's easy to dance to. I should have been a rapper. It's a difference between your who and your do. What you did is not who you are. That's not your identity. Well, <laughs> if you're a follower of Jesus, then that's not your identity. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, oops, sorry. <laughs> that is pretty much what defines you, right? And so you're wondering, well, what makes you different than us? That's the point of Easter. Because we're no better than you. We still struggle too. I'm just saying that no one has ever had to beat me over the head with the Bible to convince me that I'm a sinner. I totally get that. But I'm a saved sinner. I'm a saved sinner who still struggles with the shame that's brought on by my sin, the sin that I still struggle with. Anybody know what I'm talking about at all? Like, if you're a follower of Jesus, can you, like, get, just make me feel better like I'm not by myself? Well, we're a mess, aren't we? We are a mess. Yeah, we are. And maybe like me, you've tried, to, you've tried to do better, you've tried to be better. But, but in all of that trying to do better and be better, it's just not enough, is it? It's, it's never enough. And you still come up short. And the thing of it is, is that for so many of us, it's become our identity. It's the thing that defines us. It's the thing that determines who we are. But here's what I want you to know. That wasn't God's plan. Hang on. It, it was never a part of, of God's plan. That's not what he wants for you and me. It wasn't as part of his plan in the beginning. Let me show you what I'm talking about. I'm gonna go to a sweet verse of scripture that I just love using in church. I'm a little sick. It's Genesis 2. We're gonna go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Aren't you excited? And then we'll make it to the book of Revelation. Just hang on. It's Easter. I'm just kidding. Genesis chapter two, verse 25. Adam and his wife were both, what? Oh, come on. Y'all gotta help me out. You don't think I'm just gonna say that by myself, do you? Adam and Eve, they were both, they were together and they were what? Naked. Woo, don't you, this will set you free in church. You're thinking, can you say naked in church and it be right? Yeah, it's in the Bible. But here's the interesting thing. It says that they felt no shame. Hmm. So in the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, there was no such thing. Shame didn't exist. So here's what I want you to understand, that God did not create us to bear the burden of, to feel the weight of shame. 
pretty awesome, don't you think? So if I was the enemy, and if I wanted to hurt God and his creation, then I think what I would want to do is I would want to put on them the very thing that God himself never intended for them. Shame. The burden of shame. The weight of shame. Let me tell you about shame. Shame will mess you up. Shame will, will destroy you. Shame will render you ineffective. It will stop you dead in all your relationships, especially your relationship with God, but guess what? Even your relationship with other people. Shame is dangerous. If you're a follower of Jesus, then according to Ephesians 1.13, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now that word sealed is a very important word. It's only used one time, actually two times in the Greek New Testament. It's an important word. The tense of the word is important. The meaning of the word is important because what it means is a finished product. That's based on the tense of the word. So here, listen, watch. As you accept Christ, take my left hand as you when you accept Christ. Here's what happens. At the moment that you accept Christ, that you surrender your life to him, then you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's awesome. Come on, somebody should say, hallelujah. You must be the unchurched crowd. And you go, I don't know what word to use. Just go, woo-hoo, in case you don't know what a word. It's pretty awesome. It really is. So here's the thing. For those of us that are followers of Jesus, what Satan cannot take from us is our salvation, but what he can steal from us is our joy. And when he steals your joy... When he burdens you with joy, you'll struggle in your relationships. You know why? Because when you struggle with shame, you feel unwanted and unworthy of love. And, and that's where some of you are. You, you walked in here not feeling worthy of, of God's love. How could God possibly, even as a follower of Jesus, maybe you've had the thought, how could God possibly love me when I keep doing the same thing over and over again. Anybody like me and you just keep repainting the same stupid sin all over again? Hello, get your hands up. The rest of y'all, you lying. That's the thing, that's the thing for me. And I go, how in the world could I possibly, how could I deserve his love? And then here's the thing. You know what, when you feel unloved and unwanted and unworthy, then you're never gonna be able to accept the love of other people either. Because guess what? You're broken in the relationships that you have with them as well. And you keep messing up, don't you? And repeating the same stupid sin. So in Genesis 3, <laughs> I almost wrote this several times and I still have it in my head. I, I said, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's funny to me, it won't be funny to y'all at all. But in Genesis 3, Satan comes sashaying <laughs> into the garden prancing into the garden. You're all thinking, man, you a dummy because he was a serpent. He was a snake, was he? You should study that Hebrew word. Maybe he had feet. I don't know how he got there, but I know he was there. Here's what it says. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to woman, did God really say, like, hey, did God really say that you must not eat from any of the tree any of the trees in the garden? And that's not what God said. That's not what God said. 
So if you're brand new to church, this is your first Sunday, here's what you need to know. What God actually said was he created this beautiful place called Eden. It's the kind of place that we can only dream or only imagine. And here's what God said. He said, actually, I want you to enjoy every tree, the fruit from every tree in the garden. I mean, like every tree with the exception of one. So when Satan comes a knocking to destroy and to rob you of that joy, when he wants to put on you the heavy weight of shame, he'll always start the very same way. He'll want you to question God. God, if you really loved me, would you withhold something so good for me? That's not really love, is it? And so in your situation, you'll begin to question God. Long story short, Genesis 3, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she and some of you are thinking, are you really going to go there? No. I'm a happily married man and I want to stay that way. Just thought I'd lay there just for a second. She took some of that fruit and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them, the the spiritual and the physical eyes of them were both open and they realized that they were. I just love hearing you say that. It's so awesome. So they sewed fig trees, fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. And there you have it. Shame enters the world. Before they were naked and they knew no shame and now they sinned. Before they were naked and they didn't know shame and now they know that they're naked and they know shame. And it's interesting. The first thing they started to do was to try to cover themselves. But just to cover themselves with fig leaves wasn't enough. And I always just think this is interesting. Who knows, maybe one day in the future we'll come back and really kind of settle into this passage. But I think it's interesting because it says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. Don't you think that's a little interesting? Like, I mean, is it just me? But I kind of thought, well, you bunch of dummies. He created the garden. Like, where do you think you're going to hide from God? Like, all-knowing God, where do you think you're possibly going to hide? I wonder, I don't know what was going through their minds, but I wonder if it's like me, and suddenly you've done everything you know good to, to cover up, to hide, but you know that you're still exposed. So they made coverings for themselves, and when that wasn't enough, they tried to hide in the trees. And we've been trying to hide and cover up our sin ever since. So this black t-shirt I'm wearing today, it's not a fashion statement. And some of you are thinking, thank the Lord for that. (laughs) You're thinking like, really? It's Easter Sunday and you decided you'd wear a black t-shirt? I mean like, people dress up. How many of y'all been to church? It's time to put on your Easter frock. 
Y'all don't even know what Easter frock is. How many of you at least were raised in church long enough that you have some idea? I mean, that's the Sunday where you deck out. You buy new clothes to go to church. And I show up in a black t-shirt. It's not a fashion statement. It's really a part of an illustration. I want it to represent sin. And so what we try to often do is cover up our sin. Some of us, will try to cover up our sin with drugs. Some of it's illegal drugs. I mean, this is Springwell. I've told people over the years, I said, I can probably get you anything you want before the sun goes down on any given day of the week. I'm the pastor at Springwell. And they said, oh, So we try to cover up, don't we? That's, that's the purpose. We try to cover up our sin. And some of us do it with illegal drugs. Others, others of us, however, do it with legal drugs. I wonder sometimes if we ever did a thing here, we do deal with probably drugs more than the average church and probably more than the average 100 churches. But I wonder how many of those it's legal stuff. And so we, we take these drugs to try to cover up. To, we we self-medicate to try to cover up the sin. Now, the interesting thing is we're not trying to cover it up from other people by taking drugs or alcohol or whatever your flavor might be. Really, it's just that we want to numb the pain and cover up what we see right? That's it. We want to hide behind something. It's, it's not what everybody else sees. At this point, we don't really care what the rest of the world thinks, but what we do care is about how we see ourselves. And so we try to cover it up with the substance. Others of us try to cover it up other ways. I bought this, cute, this coat. It's brand new just so you know because my other coat had a hole in it <laughs> I don't wear one much and no I'm not putting on a tie I said Jesus I'll go the coat I love you please don't make me wear a tie others of us we want to dress for success right and so maybe you're trying to climb the corporate ladder of whatever your ladder might be. And it's interesting because a lot of times what we try to do is we try to hide behind our assets. We try to hide behind our money, right? We want to hide behind the stuff that we have. And so we buy the right house, we buy the right car, we live in the right neighborhood, whatever the case might be. But it's all in an effort really to just cover up what's deep inside. And so what we hope for is that people... We'll say, look at all the things that we have, right? And say, man, he's got to be doing good. He's successful. She has made it to the top. 
And while you look good, and while you've dressed for success, you still know what's on the inside. It's interesting, I've been doing church a long time and I've met some religious people, and let me tell you what religious people do. They try to cover up with their righteous acts. So they put on different acts of service. And so I know people that have volunteered over the years and, and they'll volunteer literally for everything coming and going. They're volunteering every single Sunday. It's not what we want from you, but it's what they do. They, they volunteer. They go on mission trips. Every mission trip they, they volunteer for. They're serving every single Sunday. Very rarely do they ever sit in a service. And some people, nobody that's ever attended Springwell, but I hear that sometimes these people will even give large sums of money. Now we're praying for some of those people. I don't care if you're religious. We'll take your money as good as we'll take anybody else's. I'm just saying. But none of those people have ever showed up at Springwell. But it's interesting that over the years I have heard where people will even give money to the church. All just in an effort to distract. To get people going, wow, they must be godly. Just trying to cover up what's inside now it looks better and sounds better than drugs and success but no matter what we do we miserably fail the thing of it is is that none of this none of this really covers up what's on the inside and we're aware of that we are still aware of our sin and, and so we're still carrying the burden of shame So Adam and Eve tried to cover up their sin and very often we do the same. And then we have the first recorded conversation between God and man. This recorded in the Bible. Genesis, this is verse nine. But the Lord God called to the man, it's interesting. He said, where are you? Now, I've known people over the years because I, I love what I do and I love that God allows my life to intersect with other people's lives that maybe don't even believe in God. And as I've often, as I've talked to those people, said, yeah, what about that verse in Genesis? And, you know, God, all-knowing God, you say. And he has to say, Adam, where are you? Like God didn't know? Of course he knew. He wasn't asking for his benefit. He wasn't looking for his GPS coordinates. He wasn't even concerned about the physical. Adam answered, he said, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was, so I hid. And then watch this. Watch this next question. It'll shake you. Who told you that you were naked? How, do you, how did you know? Who told you? In other words, at what point did you elevate somebody else's voice above my voice? I think this is huge. At, at what moment, at what precise moment did you decide that you couldn't trust me anymore? Our relationship had been so good and, and I created this garden and, and it was literally the Garden of Eden and it was paradise and you had everything and then suddenly there was a moment when you decided that you couldn't trust me anymore. 
When did that happen? Why did you choose to believe the lie? So life for Adam and Eve up to this point had been, had been pretty sweet. It was paradise. It was, it was the Garden of Eden. They had been fully loved. I think that's important. They had been fully loved. They had been fully provided for. They didn't want for anything. They could eat from every tree, right? Except the one. I mean, life couldn't be any sweeter, couldn't get any better. And then one day, everything changed. And it changed all because someone caused them to question. And, and this, these are my words. I didn't get that out of a commentary. Actually, commentators would probably disagree with me. They'll give you other reasons, but it, it happened all because they questioned the love of God. Other people will say they question the authority of God. And they'll give you other answers. I, I think that maybe that's true, but I think at the, at, at, the, at the bottom line level, I think that Satan calls them to question the love of God. How could a loving God withhold something this powerful from us? And they sinned. And when they sinned, entered the world and when sin entered the world so did shame and then they did what we do they try to cover up maybe to self-medicate maybe to cover up with some type of resemblance of success maybe with religious acts They were guilty of sin and so were we. In fact, here's what Isaiah says. Isaiah 64 says this, all of us. Now you're the really smart crowd, I'm sure. So the original language of the Old Testament is Hebrew. Guess what all of us means in Hebrew? See, you guys, I knew it. You'd get it. Yeah, it means all of us. There are no exceptions. All of us have become like one who is unclean for all of our righteous acts or, or filthy rags. And so all of our efforts, they fail. Nothing we do to cover up is ever enough. Our success, our money, our bank account, our assets, our toys, they're, they're just not enough. All the self-medicating that we try to do, all the trying to numb ourselves so that we don't feel the shame, it doesn't work. And as crazy as this sounds, even all of our righteous acts, as good as they may be, they still fall short. And somehow we know it. Somehow we realize that when you peel everything away, we're still stuck with the problem. The problem of sin. So Isaiah said, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. But he also wrote this, which is pretty awesome. That's why we're here today. He said, I, greatly, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in God for he has clothed me with the garments of, of salvation and arrayed me in a robe. This is awesome. In a robe of what? It's his righteousness. It's not mine. It's his. And if I've learned anything spiritually speaking, this has been so huge for me. 
I mean, literally, I'm not kidding you. This, this is the crux of who I am. It's what's radically changed my life. What I've learned is that how I dress It affects how I behave. But it's more than just my behavior. I, I'm not that impressed. I wouldn't be that impressed with my behavior. More than that, how I dress, it affects how I feel. Now, I've heard ladies over the years, not so much men. Okay, maybe a couple of men. Maybe Mark Dyer, I think he's over next door. I can say this, big old boy that he is. <laughs> I've heard ladies said over the years, you know what, I love to dress nice because when I dress nice, it makes me feel pretty. I think I heard Mark say that one time. I thought I heard the door open. Kind of made me nervous. So Jesus is saying this. He said, I don't want you to walk around in these rags of sin. I, listen, I don't want you carrying the burden of shame and I've, and I've thought about this whole picture, and, 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 and initially, I think when I thought about the burden, carrying the burden of shame, I thought about something that the weight that's on your shoulders, but it's more than that, isn't it? It's really not what's on your shoulders, it's what rests on your chest. That this guilt, this shame can be so heavy that sometimes you can barely breathe this thing called sin and the shame that it can bring. And this is why I get so excited about Easter. Because on the cross, Jesus paid the price for all of our sin. Hang on. That's all sin for all time. That's all your past, all your present, all your future sin. Jesus died one time to pay the penalty for all that. And when we accept what he does for us, What he does for us is something that we can't do for ourselves. He covers us. He covers us with his righteousness. And that is so cool when you wonder, how can I have a relationship with God? I'll tell you how you can have a relationship with God because it is, it is sin, right, that separated us from God. And so Jesus said, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, row, I'm gonna wrap you in my robe of righteousness. And so here's the thing. So when my daddy, when my heavenly father, when my father looks at you, he sees my righteousness. He doesn't see your sin. And a relationship with God is made possible. <laughs> And how you dress affects how you behave and it affects how you feel. It's taken me, gosh, over 25 years of ministry to get this through my thick head. A few years ago, we were actually, had spent the weekend with our family in Gatlinburg and we were on our way home and we ended up being on a telephone call with, with Emily. And, and at some point in the conversation, she said, Dad, you're not the same anymore you've changed 
She said, Dad, you know, you don't, you don't talk the same anymore. You don't, you don't walk the same anymore. You're different. And then she said, Dad, you don't even preach the same anymore. And I went, oh, man. She said, no, it's, it's, it's not that you were bad before and you're good now, but it's different. See, here's the thing. I'm only ever one thought away from going back to my stinking way of thinking. My default, if I don't take hold of the negative thought, is, well, I did it again. I sinned again. Look at me. I'm pathetic. The same old sin that I've been struggling with for 25 years is the same old sin that I'm struggling with today. I'm not worthy of God's love. How could he love somebody like me? (laughs) And it's because he covered me. (laughs) And it's only when we Accept what Jesus did for us on the cross and by faith and trust in the power of the resurrection and embrace the truth that we've been covered with his robe of righteousness. It's only then we can find freedom. I love love Easter. I love Easter because Easter reminds me I'm not who I once was. Easter reminds me that I've been covered. My name is Nikki. I battled and struggled with addiction and abandonment. I was broken by my own disease of addiction, my husband's suicide, and other broken people. I was lost in the darkness and depression, stuck believing the lies of the enemy and afraid to move away from the shell of a person that I had become so comfortable being. When I found myself on my knees before God and allowed myself to be rescued, I found light. I found hope. I found happiness. Now, I am covered in the beautiful, peaceful, overflowing love of God. I am forgiven and I am free. In my sin I wander through the darkness searching for the light on my own but then Jesus full of love and mercy stepped down to earth from his throne and oh I'm covered by the blood the cross says it is done, it is done I'm not who I once was Oh, I'm covered by His love My victory is won I'm not who I once was My name is Wendy I battled an addiction to alcohol and drugs for 23 years. During that time, I married twice and divorced twice. I lost every job I had 
and burned all my bridges. I had two beautiful daughters and lost both daughters. One to her father and one to adoption. I was so broken, I just waited for death. I would describe myself now as a walking miracle. I'm focused on my future, not my past. I have a good and godly husband now. I have reunited with both my daughters, and they have even met each other for the first time after 14 years. I was lost and stuck in the muck and mire of my own making. Now I'm covered by God's faithfulness, love, and protection. My name is Alex. I struggled with fear of abandonment and being alone for a long time. I thought I had gotten used to being alone. I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. When I met Jesus and experienced Him through Springwell, I knew I was never alone. I am so thankful to be able to serve and love others. I feel like I have a purpose now. I was alone, but now I'm covered by His presence. His blood, my sin has been forgiven forever. While He has shown surrender, I have found my freedom. So hear my freedom song. Oh, I'm covered by the blood. away when I was only nine years old. Being shuffled from home to home, God was never really a priority. I was exposed to many religions by people who never really practiced what they preached. Because of this, I struggled for a long time with the idea that anyone could love me unconditionally, but most especially God. Embracing Jesus' love for me has been an amazing experience. I see my life and all of those struggles so differently. I can see God not just in the big details, but the small ones as well. I have a more open and joyous heart for others. I was stuck in a life full of abandonment, but now I know exactly who I am. I am flawed but loved and a grateful child of God. His grace has me covered. My name is Ariel. Throughout my childhood, my mother was always gone and left me to take care of my brother and so many other things that a mother is supposed to be responsible for. Every time she would come home, she would check to see if I had done everything, and if not, she would hit me. This went on for eight years, and at the age of 12, I moved in with my grandmother. Today, I'm closer to God than I have ever been. I love our relationship and being able to pour into the next generation. I was stuck in a life where I was searching for something from a parent. Now, I am covered by my Heavenly Father's love for me.
follower of Jesus but you have so struggled with shame it's become your identity it's how you identify yourself it's what you see when you look in the mirror and everything you've done to try to cover that up just hasn't worked I just want you to know that you're forgiven it's the fact of the cross it's either the truth or it's a lie I wear a bracelet one of our elders made for me the word to telestize on this bracelet and it means it is finished it's the last words that Jesus spoke on the cross it is finished it's done your sin debt's been paid for you've been clothed with wrapped in my righteousness you're safe if you're here this morning you're a follower of Jesus and you would just say gosh man I'm with you I struggle I still struggle would you just slip up your hand I know we're supposed to have heads bowed and eyes closed but isn't it better to know that you're in a place that there's other people that are just like you I want to pray for you I want to pray for us Lord thank you for this incredible truth and it is truth. Those of us that have accepted you as our Savior, you know, Satan can't have our soul. He can certainly rob us of our joy and make us feel so unworthy. Unworthy of your love, but unworthy of anyone's love. Our sin has become our identity. Lord, would you just break Would you break that stinking way of thinking and lead these folks into truth so they can be free? Everybody look this way. Maybe here this morning you're not a follower of Jesus. Here's the question I would want to ask you. Aren't you tired of the cover-up? Aren't you just worn out from the burden of your sin and the shame of your sin and trying to hide it? Aren't you, aren't you just worn out from that? Well, you don't have to be. See, that's why Easter is such a big deal to me. It's because what Jesus did on the cross was he paid the ultimate penalty it was the ultimate sacrifice for sin. All sin. All of our past sin. All of our present sin. All of our future sin. It's been taken care of. And, and to this, this morning, what you can find is the forgiveness of God. And what you can have is His robe of righteousness. It's going to be draped over you. 
how could you possibly say no to that? I don't think that you want to. So every head's bowed and every eye's closed. If you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be. Would you just slip up your hand right now? All over this place, would you just slip up your hand? I'm not a follower of Jesus, but I'd like to be. Awesome. Then pray a prayer of something like this. Say, Father, the burden of my sin is too heavy for me to carry. So this morning, I acknowledge what Jesus did for me on the cross. I can't understand it. It's, it's too much truth. It's too great to be able to fathom but I accept it. And I believe that on the third day he was raised from the dead and I'm asking you right now to forgive me of all my sin. Step into my life and be my Savior. From this moment on, to the best of my ability, I surrender all my life to you. Now look this way. One of the coolest things is that we get to experience miracles here every single week. And we watch people go from death to life. And we go, we watch people go from carrying that nastiness of sin and finding the freedom that they can have in Jesus. And if you raised your hand a few minutes ago, if you prayed that prayer, <clears throat> then I want you to know that we care about you. So if you would, this would just be a really big deal to me. If you would just go to the information desk and just fill out a card and we will be at your house about 2 o'clock. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not what we're going to do. But see, we love you and we care about you. And, and, and you weren't created or designed to go through life spiritually alone. We need each other. And so we just like to if you would allow us to be able to reach out to you and love on you a little bit, if you'd give us that opportunity just to try to walk with you. Now, you know we messed up. We're probably the most messed up church in town. But in all of that, we'll just walk together. Let me pray with you. Sweet Lord, you're amazing. So incredibly amazing. Lord, I thank you for Easter. I do, Lord. I love to talk about it. I love to think about it, ponder over everything that took place, the power of it. After over 35 years, it's still too much for me at times to take in. All I know to say, Lord, is thank you. And to tell you that I love you. It's in your sweet name that we pray. Amen.